Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining VR Download and giving us your time today. In case you're new here, each week we meet in virtual reality using the latest technologies to discuss the next generation of personal computing. My name is Ian Hamilton, and I'm in the United States, joined by my colleague David Heaney over in Northern Ireland. VR brings us together into this broadcast studio where we've got multiple automatic cameras, a TV to show images and videos, and we can see live comments from YouTube on our tablets here in front of us. We syndicate VR Download out to all podcast platforms and encourage our audience to become members as we continue exploring the next steps in personal computing. Heaney, how are you doing today and what do we have for our viewers? I'm a little sick today, but I'm still coming onto the show. I wouldn't miss it even if I'm slightly sick, but you can probably hear it in my voice. Today, we're going to talk about VR Chat adding experimental controller-free hand tracking on its Quest native app. We'll talk about Meta's first ever VR revenue drop since it started reporting its Reality Dabs data separately from the rest of the business. And finally, we'll talk about the other fact that was revealed in that Meta earnings call, which is Quest 3's release window. So three very interesting topics to talk about today. Let's get into that first subject with VR Chat's experimental support for hand tracking. This is a pretty big deal, a long time coming. I remember when Quest first added hand tracking, I was pretty quickly out there trying to find out if VR Chat was going to support this. It was a wait and see feature, I think, more or less at the time. And that's kind of the status of the face and eye tracking, I think, across the social platforms. So like Rec Room and VR Chat have not seemed to implement the face and eye tracking built into the Quest Pro. And it very much appears to be kind of a wait and see approach to see how many people adopt the Quest Pro's version of face and eye tracking, how those APIs pan out, and uh, before we actually see that rolling out. Heaney, do you have anything? I've, 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 this is my video here that I recorded over the weekend. Uh, do you have anything you want to get into before I start talking about this? I was just going to say on what you were saying there about face and eye tracking, it is important to remember that the APIs for this were only released very recently, and for huge platforms like VRChat and Rec Room, even if they were wanting to support it as soon as those APIs are ready, it's going to take them weeks to properly implement something like that. As you said, this hand tracking has been available on Quest for years now, and we're finally just seeing it come to VRChat. Let's talk about this hand tracking a little bit. I met with Jenny. She is a volunteer teacher from the Helping Hands community inside of VRChat. She's been in there a couple of years, and this demo she gave me was really, really cool over the weekend where she went into the Valve Index. She had two base stations tracking her location and all of her movements from different corners of her room. She had three Vive trackers on, one on her hips, one each on her feet, and that provided the tracking points necessary for full body tracking. And this is a follow-up to something I did a couple of years ago. The pandemic sort of has warped everyone's perception of time. And it feels like, I don't know, 20 years ago that I actually did this demo of American Sign Language with multiple people, one of whom was deaf, to see what the limitations were of the tracking technology in trying to express yourself with where the tracking was at that time. I also used the opportunity to do that story on hand tracking to kind of pressure meta and see what was the status of their support for this specific use case. 
for hand tracking over the long term? Like, how focused are they on that? And I put that question to them, put some quotes in that story, put some quotes from experts out there who have used this technology. And now I've got this update after two years, basically, of progress in making the hand tracking better. So obviously, hand tracking went from an experimental setting. Now it's there's actual store apps that are released specifically for hand tracking. And we've moved all up to using hand tracking 2.0, which Heaney has implemented in our studio. And it's what brings these avatars to life to such an incredible degree, Heaney. I see it in our comments every week now where people are sort of blown away that these avatars are animated such that they are, right? That it's you know, people hate on these avatars and for good reason. They are very unlifelike. But at the same same time the hands I, I'm convinced the hands bring them alive in a way that controller tracking doesn't necessarily do. You you, you feel a lot more life in these uh, avatars. So this demo with Jenny, she did the first part of the demo in the video that I produced in the Valve Index with the Index controllers and showed how, yeah, you can track all five digits in the Index controllers, but you can't do this. You can't separate your fingers on the index controllers. So after her initial demo in the index controller, she jumped over to Quest 2 and started showing all the things you can do over there. And the cool thing about that was over on the index demos, you could see her signing things like dog. She, she mentioned like dog, it seems like you're patting your leg in order to like almost call a dog over to you. That's apparently the, the sign for dog. And you can't do that on a quest right now because there is no body. There's no lower half generally. And even if there was, you couldn't really necessarily track that kind of movement because of the hands being so far down to your sides. Then over on the quest two side of things, you've got, yeah, this, the separation of the fingers and it's so incredible. And what was really cool after I put this video out, Jenny was jumping into this. So this is beta support in VR chat. This is, you have to, install basically a special beta client of VRChat to do this. This was her first time going in there. It turns out that there are actually comfort settings to take care of one of the problems that were happening in my video. You've got a setting you can basically go over in comfort settings and disable the locomotion and it will allow you to fully express yourself with sign language without some of these gestures activating to do movement. And that's going to be an absolutely incredible setting. Even when Jenny and I were talking, it was really interesting to talk about this need for both things, right? You need locomotion supported in order to navigate virtual worlds that are really expansive. But you also need to be able to turn those things off in order to just express yourself fully and not do all of the things you can do with the gestures. So it's really kind of amazing that right at the outset of VRChat rolling out this feature in such an experimental way, they've got support for this built in to their controls. So you can deactivate this and have just a signed conversation that way. At the end of this conversation I had with Jenny, I asked her, what would be your dream solution here? And she talked about either one, having gloves, or two, having more cameras. And that's what was really, really cool about this demonstration of Index to Quest 2, is you could see that somewhere in between these two solutions, there is a almost one-to-one -one 
way of bringing sign language into VR with the ability to reach up to your head and motion from your head outwards, motion from your body outwards, motion on your body all over. And you can get really expressive signed expression. The other thing that's really important for sign languages is that people make a lot of facial expressions to get across tone, because obviously with voice, you've got tone you can use to express certain things. Well, you can use facial expressions to do that in signed languages. So this was a very, very cool video. I'm very very glad that we got it out there. I really want to see what hand tracking 2.1 looks like as soon as that feature rolls out as well as whether there's any differences between Quest 2 and Quest Pro hand tracking. So there's a very long path ahead of us for things like American Sign Language or any sign languages to be supported at one-to-one what they are in the real world. But it's really, really interesting. Jenny really underscored a lot of the importance here for people who feel isolated in the real world, able to connect with community and people who are excited to communicate with them in their native language. So I can't wait to keep pursuing that story. Anything in the comments that we should respond to, Heaney, or are we ready to move on? No, I think a lot of people were just asking about why she was jumping in the video. But as you explained, that is one of the gestures that can be turned off. And I think that's kind of a fascinating problem with hand tracking in that you can add gestures to do things like jump and move around the world but then you do limit people's expressivity because they can't use those gestures in general so it'll be interesting to have some sort of quick toggle on your wrist or something to quickly turn off the gestures and back on when you need them yeah it definitely feels like that's one of the things i was sort of thinking about long term we're, we're approaching a place where well I've, I've got an editorial that i've just spent the last couple hours on we'll get it up on the site in the next day or so but you know there's there's these features that really need to be at the system level that aren't right now. And there's other features that are at the system level that kind of like need to disappear or move inside apps. This is one of those things that people are really going to need to be able to switch off and switch on. If they're attaching more gestures to your finger movements, you need to be able to toggle those gestures on and off just to have a comfortable conversation. So I'm really excited to see this kind of progress here. What was our next subject, Tini? Next subject is Meta's first VR revenue drop. Mm, Yeah, this was kind of a big one. We've got the earnings call. Was it last week? Meta does these every quarter. It's standard for a public company to come out and report your earnings and talk about the future a little bit. Let's let Heaney run through these numbers because I've got my own sort of analysis here and thoughts on some of these numbers. So what you can see here is the Reality Labs revenue at Meta. Reality Labs being the division that's in charge of Quest and in researching future devices like AR glasses, as well as the Ray-Ban stories. If you, the reason we have these color-coded here is because you should always compare quarterly revenue year over year. Compare Q3 2022 to Q3 2021. And you can see that for the first time since this data was started to be broken out, which was in quarter four 2020, it has actually decreased. And they did say the reason for this, and it's the Quest 2 price hike. The Quest 2 in August was increased by $100, the price for both of the models. And at the time, uh, during quarter two, they, uh, the CFO of Meta did say to expect the revenue to then be lower, and that's exactly what's happened. So there is significant price sensitivity there on Quest 2. It was a clearly, yes, it's been out for multiple years. So many of the people who want one 
have already bought one. But there's also another factor here in that more, many more people clearly want it at $300 than do at $400. And that's very interesting for how future pricing of headsets might look. So a couple things. Correct me if I've got my timing wrong here, Heaney. And we've got a question out there we'll respond to. Thank you for the donation. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on my timing here, but Q2 of last year was when they took the Quest to off sales for a short amount of time and then came back with a larger storage option right around Q3, right? So there was some pent-up demand for a little bit going in this period. And I think that might have contributed a little bit to this number being large. I think that was in Q3, was it not? That, that all would have happened within quarter three. It was in this, okay, well, so it was in this, yeah, it was in the summer to fall uh, switchover when this happened in August period. So I was a little confused about when these things uh, switched over. But it's going to be more telling, in my opinion, how Q4 does. So Q4 is, of course, the major, major, major Christmas, Thanksgiving to Christmas push from Meta. And that's when we're going to see. So sometime early next year, when they report their earnings for Q4, we will see how these green bars uh, stack up against each other at the end of the year. And we might, to your point, Heaney, see that next green bar be a little bit lower than the previous green bar. And that will be a big deal to see in Quest's revenue, particularly when we get to our next story, which is talking about the, the fact that Quest 3 is now officially in the offing. I would wonder if it'll be not just a little bit lower, but quite a lot lower. So you, you've got those two factors coming in at once. There's the fact that this is now in at the end of its life cycle. You know, we're, we know from the topic we're going to talk about next that this is going to be the last year of, of Quest 2. That's going to affect how many people want to buy one. It's just, as we discussed, gone up $100 in price. And, you know, who wants one now at that stage of the life cycle that didn't already want one in its first Christmas or its second Christmas? But it is interesting to note here that, as you can see here, Quest 2 did better in its second Christmas than its first. So a lot of people are asking, all right, so let's get to Frisket's question here in a sec, where they're asking, with Quest Pro reviews being less favorable, do you anticipate a quick price cut by Meta, or can they not afford to sell it at a loss? That is a, a fascinating question, really, really, really great question that I don't know if we can answer precisely. But I think we don't have, so everyone is aware that there aren't a lot of great games announced to release between this period on the Quest platform in the next, you know, two months, right? There's nothing other than Iron Man VR. There's nothing huge sort of ready to draw people in. I will say, however, that there are things Meta can do to sweeten the deal, right? They've got bundling opportunities for games from their eight studios that they've acquired that they really could, if they wanted to, make the Quest a more appealing product this time around. One of the things that we've noticed on uh, the sales pages for Quest is you can buy, you can pick a couple games, I think, to buy with your Quest and they'll come sort of pre-connected to your account. We also noticed that they are doing a... Um, 
warranty program, uh, an accidental damage program for your Quest headset. So you can pay more just like on Apple Care Plus over on the Apple ecosystem. You can have accidental damage to protect your Quest going forward. There's ways that they can entice, I guess, buyers to show up this time around. And then there's also the Quest Pro on sale as well. So pulling in uh, $1,500 per headset sold is going to be another portion on this green bar that just didn't exist previously. Yeah, that's a very good point. Quest Pro will obviously factor in here, but you know they're going to have to sell a Quest Pro for every four Quest 2s to make that up. And that, that sounds easy when you put it like that, but when you look at the fact that with every $100 you add to the price, it significantly reduces the number of people who are even able to afford it, even if they do want it. And some of the commenters pointing out here that I wouldn't say the Quest Pro reviews have been bad. It's just that they are quite clear that it's not really for the vast, vast majority of consumers. This is not, and I don't think Meta ever really pitched it as being that either. I, the focus of this is not to be a mass market product like Quest 2. So I don't think there is going to be any need for Meta to do any kind of drastic price cut, especially given the fact that they'll want to keep that price such that future successors to Quest Pro, presumably being called Quest Pro 2 and then Quest Pro 3, can also put in a lot of new and innovative technology that they want to bring into the line in future. Uh, things in the long term like OLED micro displays, things like verifocal lenses. And if you bring down the price of Quest Pro 1 and then you come out with a successor that's even more expensive, the narrative around that is is going to be far less worth it than if they just kept that price in the first place. Yeah, Heaney nailed a lot of my thoughts on the same subject there. I, I totally understand that the pressure or the, the seeming pressure. Bosworth, Andrew Bosworth, the CTO at Meta, did make a comment somewhere in his most recent Q&A indicating that sales or pre-orders were about where they expected, even though they wouldn't say where they expected them to be, that you know it is going in line. Um, I noticed also if you put... The con- there's a comment from John Carmack we have to keep going back to where he talks about how Quest Pro does will say a lot about price flexibility going forward for the meta ecosystem. So uh, it was one of the things Heaney and I were debating or talking about right before we came in here. I don't know. Maybe we'll get into it after we get to our third subject here. Um, but I, I want to get into some of the future th- packaging that can happen to the Quest ecosystem. They've got some really fascinating opportunities that just aren't available necessarily to anyone else in the market right now with how they can package all their work going forward. But uh, I guess I'll just say it right now, everything that's sub $1,000 is this, this wide range where maybe you could serve a lot of different prices between, say, $300 to 1000 with different storage options, different accessories, all bundled with the same core headset device. And then above 1000 you start talking about the Quest Pro line of devices and exactly what Heaney is saying there, that there are things that need to move the VR market forward, things like verifocal displays, where if you're unfamiliar with them, there's this field in here, you know, everything you reach within arm's distance that is just a little fuzzy and blurry because of the way the optics work and your eyes are forced to focus uh, much further 
And everything in that field that we interact with could be much more in focus, much crisper, and much more comfortable for you to experience long term if we have verifocal displays. And that's something we're going to need to to have eight-hour VR headsets, right, Heaney? Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of technology they'll want to introduce in the pro line, just in the way that, you know, they've introduced the face tracking and eye tracking in this iteration. Um, I think Ian's just disappeared there. So I'll take some comments here. Someone's asking, do we find the Quest Pro controller tracking to be jittery? Uh, no, not at all. I'm using them right now, as you can see. It, they're more stable than any other VR controller I've ever tried. And that makes sense because, you know, they have three cameras on board, one on the top, and two on the front and so they track themselves in the exact same manner that the headsets themselves do and i don't notice any jitter at all on the quest pro's head tracking for example see you're back in yeah i was having a little bug there i wanted to get rid of and come back thank you for sadly it's bradley we've got you in our comments i see alex and skiva from between realities in our comments thank you all for tuning in and yeah keep those questions coming as we move towards our third subject i saw a comment right at the beginning of our show that compared to last week this is a lighter news week comparatively, but still I, I would say this third subject that we're about to get to here kind of, you know, it's the biggest news of the week. It's the biggest news probably uh, next to PSVR 2 launching and Apple launching. It's going to be the biggest thing to pay attention to in the next year of our reporting. So we're going to be on top of this as we go uh, forward. Heaney, why don't you walk us through what uh, Meta specifically said here? Yeah, so during that same earnings call we were just talking about, Meta CFO said, uh, said that the next generation Consumer Quest will launch later next year. So there you go. That's the exact release window for what is almost certainly Quest 3, given that Quest 2 is the current consumer quest. Or it's the Quest 2 is the current consumer quest, therefore Quest 3 would be. And this is uh, Meta has actually talked about Quest 3 multiple times. Earlier this month, Mark Zuckerberg said, and I quote, there will be a Quest 3, and that's in the price range of $300, $400, or $500, that zone. But he said it wasn't launching this year. So this is huge news, but at the same time, it's not really surprising. Regular listeners and viewers of our show will know that we've been saying that it's almost certain that late 2023 is the Quest 3 relaunch window for over a year now, because it makes sense given Meta's uh, statements that they were completely focused on Quest Pro this year, and then you would get Quest 3 to a, a three-year cycle, and at that point, the processors are available such that they can do the same kind of leap they did going from Quest 1 to Quest 2, where you get a roughly doubling of the performance. And that's what really allows standalone VR to, to progress forwards as developers can build higher graphical fidelity and larger scope experiences. So we've got, sadly, it's Bradley in our comments who does a lot of the, uh, he's got some sources out there leaking things to him and he's teasing in our comments here a little bit saying, I think the Stinson uh, CAD that was shared was one of three likely prototype designs Meta will go with, and I'm certain they are going with the one I shared. So putting that in our own sort of language here, oh no, it's doing that thing again, this little bug where it's uh, it's picking up on my uh, like hand tracking and causing a little bug. So uh, putting that in our own language here, we think it's very likely that Meta has multiple prototypes in development for their upcoming hardware, 
the question is, which one are they going to pick and what features are they going to go with? One of the things that Zuckerberg has specifically called out in previous announcements or interviews is he said he thinks face and eye tracking are absolutely critical and those are obviously in the quest pro but do do gamers need face and eye tracking near term in order to play games at you know play games that are more enjoyable now you could separate those two things out too you can separate face and eye tracking and the eye tracking, as Heaney reported quite recently, has already been used in Red Matter 2 to increase the resolution of Red Matter 2 on Quest Pro. So you've got a crisper experience playing that game with the foveated rendering, the eye tracked foveated rendering that's possible. The cost that we've understood in talking with Meta and diving into the specs is that because you're doing the processing of the eye track data and you're drawing power that way, you're not necessarily gaining a whole lot more in performance, even though over on Red Matter 2, they've made a third uh, third better resolution, right, Heaney? Yeah, so 30% better base resolution for where you're looking at. And that's, it's good and it's it's great. And when you try that, it's a worthy improvement. But at the same time, Meta will be asking, is that enough of improvement to justify the cost that it would be? Is it possible that if they were to choose to sell Quest 3 without it for $50 or $100 less versus with it, will the chip that Quest 3 has, given that it will likely be much more powerful than Quest Pro's chip anyway, more than make up for that? These are the difficult decisions they're going to have to be making. And like you say, at the end of the day, face and eye tracking aren't essential for games, which are the, still the primary focus of marketing and sales for the main quest line. But yes, it would add a lot, even from the social aspect of being able to turn to your friend in a game and see their facial expressions. The question is, does that add the hundreds of dollars of extra cost that makes it worth it? Uh, but it's really interesting that based on these CAD renderings that sadly it's Bradley, uh, who's in our comments, as you say, uh, leaked shows that it may instead decide to focus on mixed reality, having sensors at the front that make it as capable or even more capable for color pasture and mixed reality as Quest Pro. Yeah, fascinating to think about the sensors that they could pack in there. There was another comment from Andrew Bosworth where I specifically asked, so if you go back to his most recent Q&A, I asked him the question of what happened to the depth sensor inside the Quest Pro, and so he responded to that question and basically said it was one of those decisions near late in production where they, they more or less what Heaney had theorized, that they decided to focus on using their existing sensors to do some of the reconstruction over the long term but the you know as Heaney broke apart in his review so wonderfully uh that depth sensor and sensing the environment more quickly is going to be really really fundamental to the next steps of all this and it will be part of my my editorial as i break this down there are like seven modes or no six modes of guardian on the quest system you know room setup room scale stationary desk couch space sense all these competing ways of actually protecting you uh letting the system know what kind of mode of play you're in and then to do these amazing mixed reality experiences like figment xr 
where you can have like uh, an earth floating in front of you and then grab a moon and toss the moon and it'll bounce off your real walls around you and then continue an orbit of this virtual object. Like that is really, really, really awesome to see. And having these objects bounce off your physical environment are, are really great. But measuring out every wall is arduous and really, really painful. And then also going back and remembering like to to notate if things move uh, out of those places, like that's just a nightmare. And it would all be helped by a depth sensor built into the device. The question is pricing, right? How much is Meta willing to subsidize their mass market device and how much are they willing to lose? How much can they lose? You know, that's that's the the overlying pressure. Why you're seeing Meta's stock just drop day after day. People are like, there's this mismatch between investors who just are sick of Mark using Mark uh, Mark Zuckerberg using the M word and showing off these cruddy avatars, and they're missing that. This device, the, the next quest, is the ticket to an even larger subset of you know, users. If the quest two was in the 10 to 20 million range of user base, it's possible quest three could go 20 to 100 million. Isn't it like Heaney is like, or is that like it's absurd to suggest that? Well, I think your upper limit's a, a bit absurd. I think 100 million's a bit absurd for something this soon. But I don't think saying that it could get to the 20 to 40 million range if they can back it up with the kind of games that we think they may be able to. And that's something that you talked about in your editorial at Connect, the fact that Meta has acquired these eight game studios and hasn't formally announced a single game for them yet. So given the fact that Quest 3 is likely to have a processor with twice the power of Quest 2s and Meta has eight game studios, put these two facts together and you get a Quest 3 potentially releasing with a lot more diverse and appealing content library than what's available on Quest 2. And if you get combine that with the fact that this thing could then have the color pass-through, the pancake lenses for the slimmer and lighter design, yes, you could definitely see this thing getting into the 20 to 40 million zone, but I, I think going a bit above that's going to take future and future generations. Yeah, I get it. All right, so my, my upper limit there, yeah, is a little absurd, but I threw it in there because the, this ongoing thing that Heaney and I debate week in and week out. We even saw it joked about in our comments last week that we went, uh, you know, if you had a bingo card of us debating this, uh, it would come up and get filled in every week because we debate the necessity of controllers to Meta's ecosystem. They, and, and the advantages of selling a headset without controllers over the long term, they've got very clear branding and content restrictions on being able to make this evolution where everyone that buys a Quest expects it to be amazing for games. And, you know, you can't have great haptic experiences with open air hand tracking, right? And so many experiences rely on incredible haptics to make the experience great. You also re require the absolute precision that's possible with an analog uh, stick, being able to do minute movements or minute actions just it's not matched by moving your thumb in the open air like this but there's other things coming in meta's 
long-term research. There's the wristbands that they want to get out into the market sometime in the next six years. So I, I Zuckerberg, uh, during that conversation with him recently, said that he expects their wristband tech, these neural uh, input uh, sensing wristbands, to be faster than keyboard input by 2028. It's a, it's a fascinating claim and probably speaks very much to his belief in this input system. But you've got a century and a half of like the QWERTY keyboard layout and going from typewriters to keyboards to PCs where typing fast at a keyboard is like the quickest way a lot of people express their ideas and hit the sp- hit the delete key on those ideas and fix them and th- imagining that being surpassed by a wristband is pretty far fetched for a lot of our viewers out there right like it's it's hard to imagine that but the there's Thomas Reardon who is the head of the control labs team that Meta acquired a couple years back to pursue this idea hinted during this conversation that you know they're not going to he said they're not going to talk about products but they've got very compelling results towards a product uh basically hinting that Meta is betting big on this idea now the I saw in our comments here talking about the research needs and the way the stock market is responding to this investment, right? The the thing that I come back to, and it's absolutely critical to understand to understand this market, right, is Apple is the market leader in AirPods, right? You put these things in your ears and you've got noise-canceling audio everywhere you go. And then they've also the market leader in watches. And these were markets they entered into after redefining, uh, you know, after leading in the iPhone marketplace. Those are places that Meta wants to be. They want to have products that are in those same places. Right now you buy a third-party accessory to, to go in, you know, earbuds to go in your ears. But for some of Meta's far future ideas, I, I would imagine them wanting to go in your ears with their own earbuds. And I'm actually using the original quest the original rift earbuds uh because you know i pulled them out of my old storage container but originally with the rift they sold their own accessory for that right heeny say again sorry i'm using so i'm using earbuds that fit fit right into my ear and they go into the 3.5 jacks on either side of the headset those were sold by for the original rift right no, for the original Quest. Oh, original Quest. Okay, so I, the original I, Rift had its, you know, its built-in ones, and they're still selling it for Quest Pro, and that's what I'm using right now. You know, a new version for Quest Pro. Yeah. So we're both using these uh, in-ear solutions, and they're great because they separate the mic audio and the feedback that's coming from the speakers back into the mic, and it's what gives us such good audio quality in the studio, relatively. Um, but you know, in-ear is one thing, and then on your wrist is another. And Apple already has this gesture recognition for accessibility purposes built into their current watch solution. So they're doing machine learning to get gestures out of your movements. And it's an entirely different scale of the type of tracking that Meta wants to do, where they're actually looking at the neural signals going through your arm and decoding what those signals mean. But it's really hard not to imagine as like... As Apple has built, what is it, the the Apple Watch Pro, uh, is that what it's called? 
Ultra, yeah, it's it's up to a thousand dollars, isn't it? If you get it with the core experience, like they have built out this watch line, like I said, all the way down into a couple hundreds of dollars, all the way up to this super expensive line. The iPhone is down into the hundreds of dollars, all the way up into more than a thousand dollars. Meta is moving in that same direction with the Quest line, and then the Quest Pro exists at this ultra high end uh, side. But I'm just what I'm getting at is people criticizing this investment on Meta's side are missing that these tens of billions of dollars they're investing every year are simply to catch up to Apple and be able to provide products that compete with Apple and Google at their playing field, or at least uh, maybe a few years ahead of where they are is, is the, the hope. Yeah, Meta is trying to, in a decade, turn from a completely software company essentially into what they hope to be is one of the largest hardware companies in the world. And that does take tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars of investment. And it is interesting, as you say, that a lot of the media reports this as losses. You know, They say that Meta's Reality Labs division lost this amount of money. But when have you ever heard a long-term business investment described as a loss in that sense before the time it's supposed to make a return? I th- you can, you know, there are many justified criticisms of the level of investment M- Meta is putting in, but to judge it in 2022 when they had at no point indicated that they expected this to be a market by then, it just isn't reasonable. This is something that Meta, that Zuckerberg tells investors is going to be a big thing in the 2030s. We're not even into the second half of the 2020s yet. So this is just, it is interesting because it's a bet on a larger timescale than we've almost ever seen in the history of large tech businesses. Even when companies do make investments on huge projects like this, the very furthest you'd see it pan out is maybe five or six years. So it's just fascinating to see something on that scale. Yeah, the 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 tweets I saw that were really interesting were comparing the investment to the Manhattan Project and the Apollo 11 program. Like, this is more costly over that scale than those world changing programs that had the entire you know that that changed the course of history. Um, and that is ultimately the, the the thinking of the work here. And it's over the long term what we think about when we come into this studio. Uh, one of the things I saw the we'll keep repeating again and again in the coming years, but these codec avatars that Meta is pursuing as their long-term ideas, there is a day sometime in the future where Heaney and I could probably come into this studio with a head-mounted display that senses our facial movements enough, and we've been scanned with enough detail that Heaney and I could feel like we're sitting together uh, with our real actual you know physical appearance mirrored into the headset pretty realistically do do you think we're going to get there heaney let's be clear on that yeah we're going to get there but i was just going to say that's the real vr download bingo you bring up codec avatars every single week that's the (laughs) part i'd always get well we're going to keep going to it because we've got new viewers coming in every week who need to hear about these things and understand the big picture it was my talk with with those executives where it's like if you're obsessed with VR, like we're obsessed with VR, you end up getting in these conversations with your family members, trying to express to them what's the big idea. And like you can't really get across in uh, those few moments when you interact with them that, oh yeah, we're going to be doing 
the future version of telephone calls with these headsets, right? Like it doesn't get across really easily. So we have to kind of keep practicing. There was this yeah, really to, good question I wanted to get to. So go ahead. Heen. I'm just going to earnestly answer your question first there. Yeah, I do think we're going to get there, but I think it's going to be a lot longer than I think you're assuming. I think it's going to be closer to the 2030s than the 2020s or at the most optimistic, closer to the second half of this decade than the first. But I still think that VR and, and social VR and avatars can provide an enormous amount of value in between then. Even if you just take what we have today and just get more, add more realism, add better face tracking sensors, better eye tracking to answer someone's question earlier on we are not using the quest pros face tracking here or the eye tracking this is not using that yet but even if you do kind of see it used in one of the few apps that supports it horizon world at the moment or horizon workrooms these avatars don't really suit detailed face tracking so well they were clearly designed around headsets that didn't have that at all to not show as many facial details such that they didn't look dead and lifeless because if you have an avatar that has all of these photorealistic features like some of the uh, Unreal Engine metahumans, but you pair that with a tracking system that doesn't actually track all of those facial details, it doesn't look like a person. It just looks like a completely dead mannequin because no people don't just sit there completely with a completely lifeless face. And so it'll be interesting to see as the face tracking gets better and as the avatars get more real, how much value is there before we even get all the way to those codec avatars? So Julian's comment here saying it's worth mentioning that the pie in the sky metaverse vision being unconvincing to investors and the wider press is entirely Meta's communications fault, and it was predictable a year ago already. I that's a that's a perfect comment, right? That is very 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 spot on, and specifically the Quest Pro getting I don't know misunderstood or uh, divisive, right? You know it's. Gamers want a new game system, right? And Meta didn't make that. And we just have to kind of keep hitting, you know, didn't make that yet, right? This is what we're getting to with the Quest 3 is we think that's probably the next game system, right? And there are different ways to take it in the future. The The question that I come back to, Heaney, is, uh, okay, let me put you in this, put our debate over hand tracking versus controllers this way. Do you think the Quest 3 will be backwards compatible with the Quest 2's controllers as well as the Touch Pro controllers that you're using right now. Yeah, I think it's likely. I don't see... The the only reason I would have against that possibility is that if you look here, the, the side cameras and the front cameras are positioned such that you wouldn't get much top visibility. So if you were using IR track controllers like the Quest 2's, and you were reaching them all the way up like this, there looks like there would be dead zones in this design that don't exist in the Quest 2 design. So that's the only counter argument against that idea. So I heard one of our commenters last week propose a really interesting idea that we didn't have time to bring up. But what if the Quest 3 controllers are essentially somewhere in between the Quest 2 and Quest Pro? What if they have one camera so that when they're outside of the headset's tracking range, they can still do some basic low-quality tracking, but then when they are in the headset's tracking range, they're still tracked by an IR LED ring? With that one camera, they could potentially use a more simple chip with uh, that doesn't cost as much, and then they would get basically get you something that's a midpoint between the two. And for people who want to, they could still then upgrade to the full Touch Pro controllers to get all aspect high quality tracking and the enhanced haptics and the stylus tips and the force sensor and those other features that make mm. it so costly. Very, very interesting idea there. I think the 
Yeah, so what I was doing last night on Wikipedia is I was delving into the history of the DualShock controller over on the PlayStation line back to the 90s to try to think through how how this evolution will work. And if you go back to the 90s, it went from like the the simple PlayStation controller that shipped in 1994 which had no analog sticks to the dual to the uh, dual analog sticks which shipped in 1997 and then very quickly they added the DualShock Rumble uh to the line and then they had some like back and forth over the years where they had to remove the Rumble and put it back in and they changed the controllers but you know from those analog sticks hitting the controllers to even now on the DualSense controllers you've got a remarkable kind of continuation of just steadily improving the design. But the the thing that struck me is when you go from like PS1 to 2 to 3, there's a lot of cross-generation compatibility in some of those controllers, right? Yeah, but it's more important there because you had split screen so that if you had an old controller from your past console, it can then become something to be another player. In VR, there's not really a direct analogy. And I think when it comes to this debate that we constantly talk about of, you know, when will Meta drop the controllers as a requirement? When will they sell the headset without the controllers? The, the problem is that there really is no useful analogy from tech history. I don't think there is a device where the input, de- the hardware input device is so vital to enabling so many of the apps in the same way that track controllers are in VR. The closest analogy that some people try to make is how tablets are sold now with a keyboard over that, you know, the Surface tablets, the iPad Pro. But even then, the vast majority of iPad apps are still completely functional and can can work very well using no keyboard and that to, to me it doesn't really apply because think of the apps that absolutely will require controllers even arguably the most popular vr app today beat saber how will meta sell a headset where they their own headline flagship game the game that almost people that don't even know what vr is in many cases have recognized beat saber you're going to have your you wave your hands in midair without the controllers it's such a difficult transition for meta to make and i don't think it's going to happen as soon as quest 3 i appreciate that yeah he needs always uh come back to earth uh thinking on this with me i think the only reason i so I, i'm with heaney's logic there the thing that gets me is if you do have forward compatibility of the Quest 2 controllers and the Touch Pro, it's just a cheaper, less expensive upgrade cycle for the people that want to buy the headset without that thing bundled, right? Sure, but as you just as we were just saying, Meta's goal isn't to get the 10 to 20 million people that will have bought a Quest 2 by the end of its life cycle to buy a Quest 3. Their goal is to double that or triple that or grow the market significantly. Meta has been very open that their North Star here is not about, unfortunately, the current VR buyers and what they want. Meta's North Star is constantly, what do the people who today don't own VR want and what matters most for them? And yes, dropping the controllers is what matters to a lot of them, but at the same time, it means that you all of the investment in those game studios that are building this content for these controllers then becomes useless in that context. And it's obviously going to happen eventually. It's obviously at some point you're not going to get a billion people using controllers that look like a PlayStation controller cut in half. That's, try to put someone who's not used to or has never held a gamepad in their life into a VR system, and you'll see immediately why that's a terrible idea. But that transition is not going to happen as early as going to a market that's not even the size of consoles yet. Something like 150 to 200 million people use consoles in the world. But at the same time, yes, you're right to say that in the long term, 
Meta is looking at the fact that one to two billion people use, uh, even three billion people, four billion use technology devices that don't have any kind of complex input like that, just a simple touchscreen. Hmm. Yeah, that's a very complicated thing to get into there, Heaney. Uh, so we will probably get into this more on our next show after I get my editorials out and we get some of the news up this week. But I think, you know, I, I keep thinking about things that I want desperately. And I keep thinking about the fact that Meta pays attention to what people are telling them, right? They they are, they, they're an organization that... Li- pays attention to data in a way that I don't know if other organizations necessarily do. Like they they take very critical analytics, you know, very important analytics to them. And as much as people get scared by meta listening in uh, or uh, shaping their behavior with their products, they're they are doing that to think of uh, how to make their products better and get you to spend more time in their devices and um they're listening right now as they're making their decisions on their next products so if you have problems with the quest pro they're listening to it if there are things that you want out of the quest 3 they're listening to it now is the time to do that because there's still time to make changes the thing i want heaney is uh, a charging case they've got this charging pad for the quest pro and it's a bummer because like every time I put it on the charger, I have to like jiggle it around to make sure it really goes onto the pad. But we've seen a patent quite recently, you know, a little bit uh, in the past where it was a charging case. And in theory, you would have your uh, headset protected while it's sitting inside this case already on the Ray-Ban glasses that meta ships they have this case that the ray-ban camera glasses come in and you get uh i think two or three charges out of the case itself even when it's unplugged just like sort of the airpods work so i would be really surprised if when we get around to this quest 3 they don't have an official accessory for this purpose it would be so much more useful in my mind to have that instead of this uh, this charging pad, I guess, that just works at home. But if it adds significant cost, I, I could see that being a problem. But that's why I went to this question of the controllers, right? What kind of controller system are they going to go with? And uh, that was a really cool idea there um, on the... Um, on the in-between controllers. It's just, I still think about the compatibility thing and whether they'll sell this without controllers at all for people that just want a slightly cheaper upgrade cycle. Yeah, I think the main factor of whether they're going to sell this thing without controllers, again, I don't think it'll happen, but I think it's based on how much of the Quest Store apps actually let you use just your hands without controllers. And right now, it's a tiny fraction. There are some apps that are specifically made for hands, and they're great. And then there are some apps that kind of have side support. But if you look, VRChat is arguably the kind of the biggest, most major app to actually add support. And even it's experimental, and it's not how you would really want to use that app in the long term. Uh, even MetaZone Horizon World doesn't have support for it. The top played experiences like Rec Room and Beat Saber and, and Onward and games like that are obviously going to have a very difficult time to ever be able to support no controllers. 
Meta is obviously trying to push developers with the interaction SDK, which is, in my view, the, the best piece of software Meta has ever released. The, the SDK that lets developers very easily add hand-based interactions in their game so that you can pick up objects and move them from one hand to the other and have these floating interfaces. They've, Meta has made sure that that supports hands and controllers equally so that you can even, in the middle of a game that uses this, put your controllers down and t- pick up your hands and continue to interact with those objects. But it's going to take months, if not years, to get that into the uh, vast majority of store apps. And there's going to need to be some sort of incentive there because why would developers focus on that when they know that every Quest headset does come with controllers? There is a, a strange chicken and egg problem there wherein the thing that would push most developers to actually support hands would be a headset shipping without controllers. But at the same time, a headset can't really ship without controllers until enough developers support hands. And I think we talk about, I, I like you just saying support hands, right? Like we talk about hand tracking and there's just a disconnect from the average consumer on just uh, what hand tracking means, what controller tracking means. All that matters is it requires controllers or you can use your hands in the open air. And it, we, we focus so much on the branding stuff that, yeah, uh, Heaney boils it down really well over here that there just has to be a critical mass of developers supporting uh, hand tracking for it to to get there, uh, but the thing is, I think we're getting there, Heaney. It's just they have to um, they have to kind of figure out how to separate branding wise, uh, getting the headset and using it in that. It's not just branding; it's also the system on down. So, I I, I am I'm impossibly frustrated with the software on the Quest system, and I saw one of the commenters talking about. Uh, m- some of the things that uh, we get into, but like on a Quest system, you can have PC monitors brought over from your remote desktop PC. You can have APKs, so you can have you can go on the internet, get an Android package, sideload it onto your Quest, and have a an APK on your Quest. And then you can also have multiple browser windows. You can have your tracked keyboard. You can have your mouse and you can have your cursor uh, in VR to run back and forth between your browser windows. But none of this, none of the things I just described work together seamlessly. It's all buried inside various apps. It's inside workrooms. It's inside immersed with the pass-through keyboard doing some of this stuff. Uh, It's in the home experience. You can have the three browser windows or an APK, but you can't have your PC monitors brought over there. And uh, it's it's enormously frustrating to think about this device as being like a workhorse PC replacement or even a Chromebook replacement. You're, you're trying to replace a $200 Chromebook with a VR headset that's $1,500. It's absurd, but people are trying to do it, and you can't do the simple thing of all, have all of your apps from different places in front of you at once. Uh, it's it's It's... They need to do some real thinking about who their ideal user is long term and when they open the headset, what kind of experience are they going to have? And I think hand tracking is going to end up being part of this, right? Like workrooms, if you go look at workrooms and you see our history of reporting on it, it's about a year old. It is the first app from Meta that they built from the ground up for hand tracking. And what that allowed them to do 
was to rethink the way you use the touch controller. So because they assumed that you're interacting with these computers around you with hand tracking, they figured out that they you could take the touch controller, put it down on the desk that you've got marked off in VR, and draw things out on the table in front of you. And just now with this most recent update, they've now added sticky notes that you can pull out and you've got like a larger, you've got like a large sticky note that's about this big or something. And then you draw out a little sketch on it and you decide to put it up on the whiteboard and it shrinks down a little bit to a size that makes sense on the board over there. And you've got sticky notes you can put up there. But these sticky notes don't come back into your home. You can't put them on your real room walls. You can't like say, oh, hey, uh, Meta, show me all my sticky notes and just have a wall of them right in front of you. Like there's no system level realization of this feature. It's all buried inside of this workroom's app. And uh, even today, like for example, I was trying to go and I went into the home and I used the Lord of the Rings home space, which is like cool to be in, uh, was it Casa Dune, uh, the dwarven uh layer from the Lord of the Rings. And I went inside that space and I had multiple browser windows up in front of me and I wanted to teleport to another spot in this home space. And I realized I had to actually get rid of the browser before I could teleport to another space. Like it's, 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 I can't really express how, how maddening and frustrating it is that, this stuff is is so dispersed over the different systems like all of it is there they've got such cool things but it's it's just buried in these layers that they're going to spend months sort of surfacing uh and even uh for users that are waiting for these features at home sometimes they'll announce the feature and you won't get it for two months because of the way they slowly test and roll these things out. And Robert's saying, this is why Apple will win. Um, yeah, it's, it's, that's, we've got uh, editorials on that as well, where this is where Apple can succeed, right? Yeah, Apple's ecosystem integration helps there. I'm not sure I, I agree with all your examples there. I think you do. I agree that the Quest software is far too fragmented. It Far too much of it is inside these siloed apps. Meta would probably gain a lot, even though it would be technically complex, to have the experience of Horizon Home and Horizon Workrooms and even arguably Horizon Worlds proper be all integrated into this same app that once you put on the Quest headset you're in. There's obviously potential anti-competitive issues there. But at the same time, from a fundamental user experience, it's very likely that when you put on Apple's headset, all of the things that you need to do will be there in front of you and not buried in these mm. other kind of system level apps. But yeah. you know, when it comes to something like teleporting at home, it does make sense because you know if you want to use the thumbstick at the same time in, in the browser, you want to use it to scroll up and down your browser. So I don't see it being a problem. You need to minimize the browser to teleport. Man, okay, fine. Well, I still want my I still want my PC desktop in the home uh, alongside the others. And yeah, it, it doesn't make sense for that personal workroom feature to be in Horizon Workrooms when it's not multi-user anyway. Why, why couldn't that same personal workspace be part of the Quest Home so you can, as you say, have a browser window here and your PC there and have these as separate things? And the APKs. I want, I want a browser window, I want an APK, and I want... Uh, yeah, the, the I thought PC that was window possible already, or it, it wasn't you one can't, point. 
You know, you can. So you can do the APK and you can do the browser windows, but then you can't also have the PC. Uh, well, yeah, arguably, though, if you have your Windows or Mac PC in front of you, you don't need an Android app or, or a browser. You can just bring up Chrome on your PC if you want a browser window. But you're in VR. Like, I'm I'm confused. Uh, so you're, you're let's in Horizon talk... Workrooms with your PC in front of you. You're controlling uh, well, your PC. But, like, uh, things like DRM videos... Uh, DRM videos like Netflix.com. That's what I was talking about with you before we came in here. You can actually get Netflix like six different ways on your Quest, but only two of them work, right? You can go download the Netflix VR app and go into that exclusively, or you can go get the APK for Netflix, install that, sideloaded, and have that sitting over here so you can watch Netflix and then have your browser window here, but you can't also have your PC monitor, as far as I can tell, alongside those other multitasking things. But I want to talk about Artful's comment here, uh, saying the semi-Quest Pro controller for Quest 3 makes perfect sense. No controllers, $300. With those controllers, with a single camera, $500. And this is what I was trying to get at with you internally, Heaney. Like, I was trying to understand, do you think we're going to have like a $300 uh, controllerless system sold by Meta? And then you go up to the the five hundred dollar price that they were talking about with controllers. Is that where you see this going? Like I said, I see it going there eventually, but not in time for Quest Three. It just it needs to be there needs to be a lot more software out there that supports hands. There needs to be a reason to buy that three hundred dollar software beyond just the current hand tracking experience and beyond the you know a dozen or two apps uh, on the main store that support it. Yes, if you were specifically using VR for something like social, uh, you you know watching movies with a friend from a distance, that would be fine. But almost no software lets you actually do that yet. Horizon Worlds doesn't even let you use hands yet in something like venues. It's just, it's an idea that is obviously going to happen eventually. The only debate we're having here is, is it going to happen in 2023? No, I think it's going to happen much closer to it, something no, like 2026. No, no, I get it. No, I think where we're missing each other's points here is that all I'm saying is that uh, for people that are trying to upgrade from Quest 2 to Quest 3 or even from Quest Pro to Quest 3, uh, it's cheaper for them to go and get the device without the controllers. And I'm not saying that it makes sense for a controller-free yeah. you know, skew right but now. If, but if, if they're if, selling their Quest, if they're selling their Quest 2, which presumably you would do before you get the Quest 3, you're going to need to sell the, the controllers alongside it because no one's going to want to buy your Quest 2 without the controllers. Or if you're giving it to someone, you're still going to want to give them it. So, you know, assuming you're... What would you do with the leftover Quest 2 headset? What really needs to happen for, up, for the upgrade path is what I wrote about in an editorial a few months ago, which is that Meta needs to provide a trade-in service. If you own a Quest 2 today, you should be able to trade it in for a discount on the Quest 3. That's how Apple does it. That's how a lot of other hardware companies do it. And the fact that Meta didn't do it for Quest 1 uh, was a real tragedy because it did leave those people who had spent more money on Quest 1 than Quest 2 was priced when it launched completely left in the open. And within a few months, you got these games started to release that were only for Quest uh, 2. Then over time, you saw features come to Quest 2 first. And that was a device that had only been on the market for 18 months. What was the better solution there? To let people use those older Quest 1 controllers on Quest 2 or just to let them trade in that Quest 1 and get hundreds of dollars off? 
Yeah, and a lot of people in our comments, you know, just reiterating exactly what you're saying. He doesn't make sense. Uh, it's a format change to go from these things. It doesn't make sense to do it right now. It's absolutely right. Uh, and I, that's a really good point about having to sell off the Quest 2 as a package. Uh, makes a lot more sense than divorcing those two pieces. But even so, it's it's interesting to think about that happening um, because, like, you can have a Quest 2 and use it with a controller-free setup uh, but there is so much system level uh, software that they still need to kind of work out to have a quest experience from the start uh, without controllers, right? Um, so that's a, yeah, little, a lot of software development they still need to do to get there, right? And if you were, yeah, and just if you were to list every single quest or game that supports hands and you showed that to someone as the content library, who would consider that a big enough content library to spend hundreds of dollars on a device? Unless you were only using it for those kind of use cases like remote work with your keyboard and mouse. But then again, something like a Quest 2 is already too heavy for that. And even Quest 3, if it's slimmer and lighter, is not going to be to the point where that's a mass market appeal to the point where people are going to want to buy it just for a hundred or two hundred dollars less if it didn't have those controllers. Shala making the comment that they need to start selling them like phones with contracts in trade-in. That is another thing, yeah, we've talked about. And we, I also wondered this idea whether Quest 2 could live on uh, after the Quest 3 debuts as a super low-end option. But Heaney uh, talked me out of that, thinking about that possibility. Uh, why don't you give the, the thinking on that one, Heaney? Oh, of a lower, why there shouldn't be a lower-end headset? Because no, why they wouldn't? Why they're just going to move on from Quest Two and not sort of offer them refurbished at the lowest end of the spectrum, below the low end Quest Three? Yeah, because by the time Quest Three launches, as we've said, the news here is that it's launching in late twenty twenty three. Quest Three will be th Quest Two will then be three years on the market with a processor that is very outdated, and it won't be it won't cost any more relative to when Quest Two launched to have that more powerful processor in Quest 3. So Meta would then, for every year they keep selling Quest 2, they have to then support it with software over time. That extends the time horizon until they can start releasing games that were designed specifically around that new, more powerful processor expected to be in Quest 3. Whereas there's there's no financial reason they would even need to. And if they, can, if they just start with a fresh slate from Quest 3, they can very shortly start to develop the kind of games that are only possible with that new hardware. Mm. And uh, Bacon uh, saying, what about just separating the controls so you can buy the standard controls or you can buy the, the pro controls? I, I, I also was thinking about that possibility as well and why it's also interesting to think about this idea that was brought up on the show where you've got uh, sort of an in-between option as well. But I, I still wonder if they'll support the existing controllers to maximize compatibility or not. Um, yeah, I think the problem with making any decisions around the pro controllers is that the number of people who are going to buy $300 controllers for a $400 headset is absolutely tiny. Yes, it's great for those people who want to. And like I said, if, if $300 is worth it to you to get these better haptics, to get this all aspect tracking, that's great. And we are really happy with these controllers and I would recommend it. But the number of people who are going to do that is just absolutely tiny. Look at what we were talking about in the middle of this show. Look at the price sensitivity of even taking Quest 2 from $300 to $400. And you're talking about this market of people, then asking them to 
buy $300 just for these better controllers that yes, to us, you know, VR enthusiasts, these features are great. But to the average person that's just coming in and buying something like this, it's not worth it to spend almost the amount of money they just spent on a headset over again. Well, so I think we'll uh, close out the show pretty soon, but I wanted to throw out this thing that I saw a couple of people talk about, like a puck type device that has some of the tech in these touch pro controllers, but, you know, is set up near your play space for body tracking. Do you think there's like a, like a potential for sort of a dock for one touch controller and uh, a future for this multi-mode input system for games like uh, Walkabout Mini Golf, where you really only need one controller. And I don't understand why, like, you couldn't, you know, go into Walkabout Mini Golf with the one controller and then set up the other controller facing your play space on a dock and get full body tracking with existing hardware. Is that a mode that you think we would ever see near term or, uh, yeah, get I there? Think it- well, from a meta investing their time in it, it just seems far too niche for the very few games that only require one controller. From a technical level, we need to look into more and check the exact field of view of these controllers and check kind of the angles of it. But even from a fundamental perspective, if you only have one aspect, i.e. you only have the camera facing you from the front, what happens when you turn around? You're sitting here in a wireless headset in mini golf. What happens when you turn around? It's not going to be able to track your your arms, your limbs, your torso, or your legs as well when they're facing mm. the other direction. If, if you need an external body tracking system needs a minimum of two external sensors, just like on uh, Lighthouse-based systems, obviously they're emitters, not sensors, but you still have to have a base station in each corner. Yes, you can use one base station, but you'll notice the exact problem I just pointed out, which is that when your back is facing that base station, your quality of body tracking is going to be significantly reduced. So body tracking will have to either come from some sort of on-controller method, where at the bottom of the controllers there are cameras facing towards you, or some sort of on-headset method where they point down from you. Because an external solution, to be really robust for wireless 360-degree VR, will need two at minimum in Mm. separate corners facing each other. Quinton uh, asking this question, don't the Quest Quest Pro controllers have a super limited battery life? That is incorrect. The information was circulating out there for about a day. Meta says uh, it is about eight hours of battery life to expect out of the Quest Pro controllers. And given that you're putting them on a dock after you use them within a couple of uses of using the touch, you know, using the headset, uh, you should most cases never run out of battery life, right? You're gonna if you're gonna put them on the dock every two to three uses, you're still going to have a full charge almost always. But that was some bad info that was out there for about a day uh, after the, the the headset was announced. Uh, Any comments you want to respond to? Yeah, Shall Alaska bring up an interesting idea of basically Quest Pro controllers but without any of the buttons or thumbsticks or triggers or haptics just designed to be trackers, tracker pucks that you can wear. It's, it's a fascinating idea, and there's no technical reason that that couldn't happen. The problem is it's about consumer appeal. Again, Meta is very focused on not what the hardcore VR enthusiast wants, but what will expand the VR market and generally People want less friction, not more. They don't want to have to wear things. They don't want to have to strap on things. They don't want to have to add another step that you have to add to go into VR. They want there to be less steps. So I do think it's a great idea. And personally, I hope it happens. I think that would the things that developers and creators would be able to come up with if you give them tracking pucks like that would be incredible to behold. But 
I personally don't think it's something that Meta is likely to do. Shala saying it's a shame because the perfect technology now exists, but they won't make them well. Uh, I appreciate the sentiment because that is a lot of the debate that Heaney and I have. It is the it is what we do on the show where we talk about these things. And each week we do this, we do get a little bit closer and closer to what to expect over the long term. Uh, it's just it's we realize these things as we get into debate. But if you go back full circle to the beginning of this show, we had what you described as the perfect setup was not the perfect setup, right? Like so we at the beginning of the show with that video with Jenny, we had a valve index where she's got the three trackers on her body and her her uh, movements, her body language are coming across to an incredible degree because of those three additional trackers that require two additional base stations in either corner of the room. Um and also provide the 360 movement that Heaney's controllers over here have because he can put the controllers behind his head. Uh, we can't do that with uh, hand tracking right now because the cameras go out of view. But, you know, I get what you're saying. Like it is, it, it is to this frustration where like we want full body. And I've, and I've seen a ton of people in our comments saying we want full body and I want full body before eye tracking. I didn't ask for eye tracking. The, I get, I get that sentiment. Uh, I don't necessarily, like, Heaney's done an incredible job to simulate eye tracking in this studio, and it still is really believable. So, like, when I turn over to him, the eye tracking tends to look at his direction automatically because of the way the system works. Uh, one of the features of eye tracking is that, uh, but one of the other features is the foveated rendering. And if they do the foveated rendering better and better over time with software and over successive generations with better hardware, the foveated rendering could actually lead to significantly better uh, performance and higher resolution displays over the long term. So, yeah, I kind of agree short term facial tracking isn't a huge like consumer win, but eye tracking could be related to the foveated rendering and have a big win there. But I will say that I agree full body tracking and the full body language that you get out of having feet and legs in VR is going to be a big uh, next step. I would love, love, love to see what Valve is building, right? They've been building Steam VR tracking for years. Their most recent job posting mentioned computer vision. Even at the back of the uh, back at the launch of the Valve Index, they talked about recognizing back then that they recognized that computer vision based systems are a big benefit. I would just be, you know, I would love to see what Valve does with this that we're talking about right now. You've got all of these. Uh, Benefits of adding all this extra hardware outside of your system, but you need to build into a cheap head-mounted display at the same time. Can you have a best-of-both-worlds solution that tracks more of your full body if you upgrade to extra hardware, uh, or are you stuck with uh, disparate systems that you know you have to? I don't know. You can only choose one or the other. We want the best of all worlds, don't we, Heaney? Yeah, I, th I think the long term for body tracking is still going to be completely standalone. I think you're going to have these downward facing cameras on the headset that work in conjunction with inward facing cameras on the controllers, and then AI fills in the gaps. We've seen already that even with just 
headset and hand controller position tracking. Their, their Meta's research shows that you can get a really quite convincing full body pose. So when you do add extra input into that, there is a conceivable path there. The problem is that, as I always say when people ask about this, the Quest Touch Pro controllers, the cameras are just facing the wrong way. They're not there could have been a camera on the inside just on top of the grip trigger that allowed this to happen, but there just isn't. So in this generation, I would be incredibly surprised if we see anything like this happen, but the the technology is possible that it happens in the future. And I don't think we're going to need this external hardware in the long term. It doesn't seem like it's going to be necessary. And it seems like the cost and complexity of it is so great that companies like Meta and Apple aren't going to have an incentive to even drive towards it anyway. Well, I think we're ready to wrap up the show pretty quickly here. Let Heaney get back to recovering uh, fairly soon. He's thrown up this video here, and I, I like the people in our comments teasing apart uh, full body tracking. Yeah, the eyes are part of the body. Uh, we are back when hand tracking launched. Heaney and I had a huge debate uh, internally over whether we call it finger tracking or hand tracking. It is full, you know, it is full hand tracking. But uh, over on Index, you also had hand tracking, and we had to figure out like how do we express to our viewers here that there's or you know our, our readers and our viewers that there is fundamental differences in things like this compared to what you can do on those index controllers and even at the status that they were back then these they were it was really limited uh in how good those tracking that was compared to where we are now you want to talk yeah, about this that- a little bit Heaney? No, I was just going to say the terminology I think we settled on there was sensing versus tracking. So tracking is when you get this kind of direct fidelity, uh, not what I'm using right now, I'm using controllers, but if we see Ian, he's using hand tracking. Whereas on Index, uh, on the uh, most fingers and on Quest Touch Pro, on your index finger, you just get sensing. It can sense the distance that your finger's away. But if you were to kind of wiggle your finger a little when it's outside the controller, you're not going to see that represented because it's not actually getting tracked. And I think that is the terminology we'll continue to use going forward, sensing versus tracking. And then a third terminology for something like what you're seeing here, which is, again, just the headset and controller input, is estimation. So you get some inputs, uh, uh, the head and controller tracking, and then and a machine learning system estimates what is the most likely body pose based on that. And a, a week ago, when Meta released their body tracking API, as, as uh, I think we may have discussed last week, we called them out because that's not something that we would personally call tracking. If you're not actually using cameras or other sensors to look at the body and say, what what is each limb, how is each limb actually moving? That's estimation, not tracking. I'm seeing in our comments, Quinton mentioned, I just noticed there's a reflection of the Quest Pro controllers in the TV monitor. Good touch. I had never noticed that before, Haney. Did you do that on purpose? Is that uh, how, how long ago has that been there? It's been there for quite a while, but I don't think it's in VR. It's just, oh no, it's just a, in VR, it's just a very bad shadow, but I don't know what it's like on the PC. I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I was, I raised up the headset to look outside of it. It looks pretty good out there and we don't use controllers very often. So uh, it's not there, at least for hand tracking. We are moving towards the end of the year here. So November to December, people are 
going out and buying their Quest systems to put under the Christmas tree. Obviously, next year, we're going to have PSVR 2. That's going to play a big part of that whole end-of-the-year push. And hopefully, right near the end of, beginning of next year, we're going to see, hopefully, an Apple device enter the fray. And it's going to mean that next year is going to be a dramatically different year than the one we've just been through. Heaney, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, the last thing is I'd like to quote something that Mark Zuckerberg told his investors in that earnings call that we were talking about during the middle of the show and where the Quest 3 release window was released. Because this is a fascinating thing to say to investors and, you know, perhaps a bit hubristic, definitely a bit hubristic, many would argue. But, you know, I listen to a lot of these tech company earnings call and it's very rare to see someone talk about this kind of timescale ever. So here's the quote. He said, I think it's some of the most historic work that we're doing that I think people are going to look back on decades from now and talk about the importance of the work that was done here. And that's Zuckerberg referencing their long-term research towards future VR and AR devices. Yeah, Quentin asking when can we expect the next GameCast. I'm hoping we can get that back up and running in the next couple of weeks. We've got some other things to attend to. And then also the other question, when are we going to have a live studio audience here in the studio? That's something Heaney needs to work on as soon as he can prioritize it. But we've had just a, a massive period of news where that has not been uh the highest priority is getting the news out to our viewers, but it is on our list of things to do. I think I'm ready to close out, Heaney. Thank you so much to our viewers. We'll be back next week at 10 a.m. We've had an amazing audience and showing for this show. Please share this link out to others. Tell people about VR Download, Upload VR. Consider becoming a member to support our journalism work. We are doing our very, very, very best to think about this long-term, build trust and credibility with our audience. And uh, you can always email tips at uploadvr.com if you have information to share with us. But we very much appreciate you putting your trust in us and look forward to seeing you in the future. So we'll see you next week.